360 Biz on cliffcentral.com. Welcome to another beautiful and amazing session of uh, 360 Biz. I'm not riding alone today. I mean, I've got my boy. He's back from overseas. I mean, we missed him the other day, but I mean, his beautiful friend was here in studio on the second shelf to the right, representing him as we were doing the, as we were doing the show. Man, how was New York, LA, Dallas, Texas, London, Paris? It was amazing, my brother, eh? Yeah, just tell us a little bit about that experience. It was was amazing. Let me take this opportunity to welcome all of you listeners for 360 Biz. This is cliffcentral.com. You still remember my name is Double Homo 40. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another exciting installment of 360 Biz. I see my boy, Bulanani, has been holding it very much well. My brother, and I saw that video on on, on Instagram. You know, this man goes, puts a video of that yellow door. What's, what's that? Is that, is that, is that, <laughs> what's the name of that door? I'm not sure what that is, but he definitely stood in yeah. when you were not in studio. Yeah, and, and, and three weeks. it was actually, and guess what? I was about to board the plane when I saw that video. I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, but it was a good one. And I mean, I've been following the show. I've been listening to podcasts. I mean, you've been doing amazing and you've been having amazing guests, eh? I, no, must, man, I mean, it's the bar thing that we've set. Yeah. And we had to make sure that we keep to the bar. And I mean, even today, the lineup is, is insane. We've got amazing guys that are here to educate us, demystify some of the stuff in the construction industry. You know, talking about um, you welcome you you welcoming me with my industry, my brother. Yeah, man, yeah. definitely you. You're definitely going to be taking that on. We've got a beautiful lady in studio as well, Rafi. I was going to be sharing about um, the amazing work that she does and the opportunities she has for entrepreneurs. Okay, we've got. Uh, guys I, ho- from- I hope that interview is not in vendor, though, right? No, 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 it will not. <laughs> <laughs> it will not. It will not. And I mean, we've got uh, an amazing gentleman as well from UJ Tandu. We'll just be sharing. On um, some of the some uh, some of the things, um, just demystifying some of the things around black industrialism, the fact that it is alive, it mm-hmm. is out there, and I mean uh, leads to markets and the avenues that are open to market, and some of the things that we need to hash out so that we can open up doors for suppliers or black suppliers to be able to get their products onto market. Yeah, mm, no, definitely. I think it's a good show that that you you've planned. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, I've been looking forward to coming back um, to actually sit and watch you do your action. You know, and I see, man, you've been doing well. You're on TV now. You're following me. Right? Ah, <laughs> man. <laughs> he says you can't be on TV alone. I'm joining you. Know, I think they must put it together, a show together for us. Eh? We should. That, that would be so electrical because what we would then be doing is we'd be fusing um, the township elements of things with the urban elements of things, which is what you then be bringing into the show. Mm. But, I mean, it's the show that we have. We've been shooting today. It's airing in September. Mm-hmm. And just focused on giving um, township entrepreneurs an opportunity to, to speak about their businesses mm. on a platform that is an African, not just South African, an African platform on a DSTV channel. Mm. So we're very happy yeah. about that. You know, you're saying that, I mean, you're excluding uh, Franz Pina here. I mean, he's not a township entrepreneur. But don't worry, my show accommodates you. So we can always definitely have you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is Mr. Franz Pina. Uh, maybe let's give him an opportunity to actually say hi to the listeners, tell us who he is, what is it that you do, then we can definitely move along. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, it's a privilege to be here. Um, I uh, represent Inyatse Construction. We're mm-hmm. a construction company based in Swaziland, but we operate in Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, we currently have 12 subsidiaries in Sub-Saharan Africa, and we offer the whole range of construction products. Mm. From roads and dams, bridges, railway lines, harbors, um, and then also on the building side, you know, shopping centers, schools, hospitals, um, the whole range. 
Uh, and we've grown dramatically over the last decade or so. Mm. Um, and now we're ready to come and play with the big boys. So wow. we, we're no, trying to play in South Africa. So. Wow, no, definitely. Well, well, welcome, um, I mean, Mr. Pina. Uh, it's good to actually meet you in person. Me and you are not speaking for the first time today. I mean, last time, and you're making me feel bad because last time, I mean, I, I had my suit on ready to handle you and take you on. And shame, unfortunately, you couldn't make it to studio. But I'm glad that you could make it today. No, thank you very much for having me. It's a privilege. No, definitely. The beautiful lady that uh, Bulelani is talking about, um, say a hi to our listeners. Ma'am, tell us who you are, what is it that you do? Uh, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Ropiwa Rabadi. I am the founder of Zonaka Unlimited. Ropiwa Rabadi. Ropiwa Rabadi. Oh, Rabadi. Yes. Sir. Okay. Now, do I need to say that with a vendor accent? No, it's okay. Oh, okay. No, it's fine. I don't okay. mind. Oh, okay. Uh, we host uh, business exhibitions, seminars, private and corporate events. Uh-huh. Uh, we also do communications and marketing. And on the 30th of July, this month, we are hosting a business expo at the Pretoria West wow. Showground. Okay, now we're going to talk more about that as we go along. Okay, my brother? Hey, Doko. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Tando. I'm from the University of Johannesburg, something called, it's a really long name, uh, the Center for Competition, Regulation, and Economic Development. You guys are um, having the Nelson Mandela talk tonight, right? We are not. No, you are. I, I'm, I know. <laughs> you are, I'm missing it. Cause <laughs> 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 um, okay. Yeah, so we, we're a team of economists that specializes in, in kind of understanding uh, the challenges that small businesses um, experience in trying to get involved in the South African economy. So we focus in this particular work that we'll be talking about today mm-hmm. is focused on understanding barriers to entry in the South African economy. Wow. Uh, no, I like that because very barriers to entry, it's something that yeah. um, definitely that is affecting us. Uh, Bulelan, you can take it along. Um, I mean, on this segment of the show, this is where we talk opportunities, which is what Rafiwa brought um, to our uh, attention. So business expo and networking. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, we, as Zonaka Unlimited, are creating a platform for entrepreneurs uh, to come and showcase uh, their products and their services. Uh, on the day, we will also have a lineup of speakers as well uh, who are going to be giving us uh, their startup experiences and how they, bail- they built their brands. And uh, tic- a ticket is 100 rand. Uh, for those that want to uh, come in and just experience the the networking um, environment that we are creating on that day. And we've got um, very influential speakers. We've got a life coach by the name of uh, Mr. Martin Speaker Manamela. He's a life coach, he's a motivational speaker, and he's also a counselor. He's also an author of two books, The Rejection is direction and are you married or buried? We also have a lineup of other speakers as well. Our stalls um, range from three thousand to uh, six thousand. We've got a three by three stall that is going for three thousand. We also have a six by six stall that is going for six thousand, and we also have another option um, where we are giving an opportunity to startups to bring their own gazebos. And only pay 1500 so that we don't exclude anyone because we are trying to uh, create a platform for from small businesses, medium and big. Yeah. <clears throat> so now just looking at this, I mean, um, so many 
not really so many, but quite a few of these are happening around. I mean, who, who are you guys really targeting? Is it startups? Is it small enterprises? Is it township entrepreneurs? Is it established organizations um, that are going to be on the uh, that are going to be there on the day? On the day, we are targeting uh, those uh, that are saying, I've got dreams, I've got visions. I aspire to be an entrepreneur. We're saying, come and ignite the entrepreneur in you. That is where we, we're going to be having seminars on the day. And then we're also looking for those that are established, but they want to tap into another ground, uh, acquire a, a bigger clientele. We're also catering for that. We're also catering for small businesses that want to grow and and go to the next level. And yes, that's about it. So, I mean, in terms of you, I mean, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I see you, you, you're running um, Zonaga Unlimited, which is a marketing and communications company. Just tell us a little bit about that. I mean, how do you get into entrepreneurship? I mean, uh, as a young lady um, as yourself, and then, I mean, how are you finding it as well? Okay, um, I tapped into the entrepreneurship from a very young age, growing up, seeing my grandmother and my mom uh, just selling anything um, uh, to the community. And last year, um, I had an idea to take small businesses and put them on the map, hence why I I decided to create opportunities like this, like the business expo. And I had many people coming to me saying that, uh, can you please advertise this for me? Can you please, that is where the marketing came in. Then I started advertising for personal trainers. I started advertising for accounting firms. And uh, yeah, that is where it came from. And then, I mean, in terms of the marketing and uh, communication space, is it just something that was purely driven by passion or is it something that you actually studied for at school? Okay, I studied marketing and customer service, and I also studied uh, accounting. I'm currently busy with my investment uh, management, become business management. Um, but it's 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 a really passion. It's really something that is within me. I'm a people's person. I love working with people. I love seeing. Uh, businesses going somewhere because from where I come from people will start businesses and in no time it has died down because there's not enough marketing and there's not enough exposure yeah so that's what we are trying to create to help out businesses out there yeah, so guys, um, you, you guys have been listening. The business expo, um, and networking session is going to be happening at the Pretoria showgrounds, right? Right, 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 right. That's correct. <laughs> How do people get in touch with you? Okay. You can, um, get me on Facebook at Zonaka Unlimited. Z-W-O-N-A-K-A unlimited or you can send me an email on rabaliropiwa at gmail.com r-a-b-a-l-i-r-o-f-h-a sorry f-h-i-w-a at gmail.com you can also give me a call on 060-475-5068
Thank you very much for that. Thank Guys, um, the official uh, communication for the show today. On Twitter, we are at CliffCentral.com. Facebook, we are CliffCentral. The, the number for the studio is 0861-555-189. We are also on WeChat under the ID CliffCentral. Join in on the conversation. Download the app. Tell your friends about it. Share it on Facebook, Twitter. Let's join in and empower other entrepreneurs and leaders. Tando, sir. Having listened to what the young lady, I mean, they're creating platforms for young entrepreneurs. And I mean, which is some of the things that we're going to be touching on when talking with you? I mean, leads to market and ways in which we can get, um, I mean, you know, these small businesses products into market. And they've created this awesome and amazing uh, platform. Just share a little bit about some of the info that you guys have gathered in terms of the challenges that business come across in terms of uh, moving their products and services into a larger scale market. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Willian. I mean, it's, it's a range of complex issues, and I'm sure people will tell you. Uh, our experience is that, um, you know, the South African economy is characterized by a lot of kind of concentration, if you will, in a number of key sectors. You know, think fuel, no, it's, it's, an think economic, that, that it's an economic, it's an economy that is speaking. Yeah, <laughs> proper. Yeah. I'm a lowly academic. Um, um, and so it's tough to get in. Uh, there's a lot of emphasis by the state in terms of how do you get entrepreneurs in general to start becoming part of the economy. Um, but a recent focus as well on how do you get uh, black industrialists, as they've been termed, uh, to participate in the economy. And so what our research sought to do really is to try to understand a little bit more in depth uh, the experiences of firms in trying to participate in the economy. So how easy is it, is it to get in? Um, how easy is it to survive? Uh, how do you get your products to markets? What are the kind of challenges that you face, be they, you know, regulation from government or uh, kind of challenges imposed by those large sort of incumbent firms that are already operating in, in, in a number of our sectors? Uh, and so what the research does is it kind of looks at uh, cross-cutting, uh, cross-cut, I suppose, if you will, uh, of a range of firms and sectors. So we look at, for instance, Soweto Gold, the story of beer, which is your classic black industrialist. Uh, we look at uh, the liquid fuel sector. We look at you know, uh, Tando, I'd, I'd like to cut you. I'd like to cut. I'd, 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 I'd like to cut in there. A lot of entrepreneurs ask me, "What is this whole black industrialist?" Could you please just break break that down? What is a black industrialist? Sure. Um, in terms of the policy framework, it's effectively um, a business owned and operated by a black South African. Um, with if, uh, well, and then the the proposal from government then is to provide certain forms of support, particularly in terms of funding, uh, to enable those firms to enter the economy. Um, there's obviously certain criteria uh, that uh, a firm would have to meet in terms of applying for that program and being part of it, uh, including, you know, the, the potential for exports, the potential to grow in the economy, um, the, the kind of potential for employment as well, of course, which is a big focus in our country, and a number of other criteria. Uh, what we're saying really is that that's an important framework, but there's still a number of other challenges that firms, particularly new companies and particularly your black industrialists face, and trying to really get involved um, in different markets. Yeah. And then, I mean, what are some of those challenges that you guys have faced? I mean, I think one of the guys that we, 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 we firmly know about here in the studio is Soweto Golds. It's just pity. We, we, had the, we, we, we had them booked for one of the shows and they couldn't make it. So just run us through some of the challenges that are out there that are faced by our brothers and sisters out there. Sure. Um, I think there's a range of issues. Uh, I'll maybe use a couple of examples here. Um, one example is, for instance, in the agro-processing sector, so whether you're producing dairy or poultry or, or, or um, wheat milling, for instance. Um, you have a number of new um, black-owned firms that have you know, established farms and established uh, little uh, production facilities in terms of producing, say, maize, uh, to use a, a random example. 
However, to operate in those markets, you still kind of have to get the product to the consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you kind of face a dual constraint. Firstly, you face a constraint in that often you're competing with or seeking to compete with um, international giants. I mean, firms that are vertically integrated, uh, big pockets, deep pockets, if you will, um, that can effectively squeeze you out the market at will. Um, in many cases, you actually rely on some of those firms for inputs while you're supposed to compete with them. On the other end of the scale, and if you can get past that, and if you can get past issues of funding and finance and skills, um, is the issue of how do you get your product to the shelf, right? Um, currently, there's kind of a, a, pre- a preference. They say sort of eye level is buy level, right, in supermarkets. So if you can't get your product to the right level at the shelf, if at all, um, it means you can't actually build a brand. You can't establish a customer base. You can't, over time, encourage customers to ado- uh, adopt your product. Yeah. And those are the kind of barriers we're really looking at. If you are looking to open a uh, small retail outlet, a small supermarket, you can't get into a mall currently. Uh, the current uh, lease agreements on a number of malls basically say, uh, if we've got an anchor tenant, be it pick and pay, ShopRite, or whatever, um, the, the lease agreement basically prohibits um, the entry of a competing butcher or a competing part-line mm. store if you're a little mm. baker mm. or something mm. like that mm. because it effectively competes directly with that uh, incumbent giant. Um, which is the problem, right? Because consumers yeah. value choice. They value yeah. the option to go to the bakery and pick up this and then go to pick and pay and pick up their washing powder. They want choice. They want options. They want price competition. But often that's stifled by the nature of regulation and the nature of the ex- agreements that exist in industries such as supermarkets, which we looked at in detail. And I think, you know, touching on some of the things that you're speaking about right now, when, for instance, you look at the inception of the Mall of Africa, I think there was one point where most of the stores that had been opened upon open day were international brands and none of them were localized brands and you also see giants like your shop rights your pick and pay coming into the township whereas you would have predominantly in the past um, had you know guys like your Dube supermarket which would not have been just a storefront but it would have been like a real supermarket which would have died out over the years due to lack of systems or whatever the case is but I mean how then does you know from your perspective how then how then does a business a localized business a localized entrepreneur who wants to break themselves how does one break into the market sure uh, well, and I think you've kind of, in many ways, uh, hinted at the answer there. I mean, the first thing and what the research shows is that it's obviously very different by sector, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's different in airlines, it's different in telecoms, it's different in, in retail. Um, but if we just talk about the example of retail that you've used, um, those lease agreements, you know, the Competition Commission has sought to kind of deal with those issues through uh, prosecuting a case against, against uh, supermarket groups basically saying remove these leases so that you can have firms, establish shops uh, that aren't actually your usual kind of uh, international brands or multi- African multinationals in the case of the South African supermarket groups. Um, they weren't able to win that case. And that kind of tells you that uh, the current shape of our regulation in many ways isn't good enough to make it possible for people to get in, to participate, right? Um, and this goes beyond issues of whether I can afford rent to be in a, supermar- in, in, in a mall um, or, or whether my product is good enough but whether I can actually get into the center. Um, and so what we propose in many different ways, and the, and the and information is on our website, uh, is, is let's use existing regulation and set up the policy frameworks to be able to open up those, those, those more spaces. And this applies across sectors as well.
And then, I mean, in terms of, because, I mean, when you talk about now regulation, it, I think it's one of the conversations that we, we once had with Deboho in a private, in a much more private um, capacity that you look at various industries, they are regulated and the regulations are so red taped in such a way that the barriers to entry are heavy. You can't even get in. And I think um, the gentleman is going to be touching on some of those things um, a little bit later on in the show. Um in terms of the engagement that you guys have had with the reg- reg- regulator and all the stuff, I mean, how far is the process? I mean, are we far in terms of achieving that success so that, I mean, an ordinary guy like me can say, you know what, I want to be a Starbucks. I want to develop my own Starbucks and I want entry at a Mall of Africa, at a Southgate Mall, at a Manley Mall. I mean, how far are we with that? I mean, are we at a 10%? And I mean, what's, what's it really going to take for us to get to that level where we are supposed to get to in terms of those regulations and those policies? Sure. Um, that's sure. That's a tough question. I mean, and it's tough because it's complex. And we've been trying for 22 years now. You know, since in the life of our democracy, if you will. Um, but it starts in. I mean, to give you, it's difficult to kind of also give a scorecard of how well we're doing, right? So what we did was we said, well, let's pick examples of firms that have succeeded, such as your Fruit Invest City, which effectively began in the early 90s, saying, I see a small gap in the market for selling fruit and veg, which isn't currently catered for, and I'll sell it cheaper. Um, and it took them years and years to be able to build up the capacity to have this kind of supermarket format that you see in the form of food lovers market now. But point is, it's not easy. And so you have very few examples. Um, uh, and maybe that's kind of your scorecard there. Yeah. Uh, however, there are conversations happening. I think a number of government departments are constantly trying to think about, well, how do you change this? How do you change the rules of the game to make it possible for people to participate in the economy, in the process of generating growth, not just as labor? Uh, basically, mm. um, and 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 there are there are alternatives there which we do propose. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think Tan, you've mentioned a couple of interesting things that that I want to bring uh, Mr. Pina on, uh, but maybe before I bring him on, let me do this. This is CliffCentral.com. Last year, the CEO Sleepout was the biggest fundraising event in South Africa. This year, as a proud digital media partner for the Sympathy Sleepout, Cliff Central is challenging you to rally your colleagues in a company Sleepout at your offices, in support of the homeless, and to raise money for education. It costs only 800 rand to register. Visit cliffcentral.com for more info. Attention all young leaders. Ever wondered how to go from where you are to where you want to be? It's time to take charge of your future. The Young Plugged and In Charge radio show is hosting the second annual Young Leaders Seminar. It's a seminar that's relevant to the youth, original, fun, creative, and so not old-fashioned. The Young Leaders Seminar looks to bring together some of the freshest game changers and inspirational celebrity guests. Join us on the 22nd of July at 6pm at the Museion Theatre of University of Pretoria. The power lineup includes Gareth Cliff, Thubim Boya, the hosts of the Unplugged and Incharged radio show, and a few surprise celebrity guests. Get your ticket and compute ticket for 100 Rand and get trending on hashtag YLS2016. The Young Leaders Seminar, brought to you by Unplugged and Incharged NPO, in association with Cliff. Central.com because we are the ones we've been waiting for. Choice. Sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't. AutoTrader gives you the choice. Now you can shop, compare and buy new cars. Watch our expert video reviews and research before you buy. AutoTrader new car. The choice is yours. 
360biz on cliffcentral.com. You are still tuned to 360biz. My name is Stephen Homafodi, and in studio, it's a power packed house. If ever you've just tuned in, you've been missing on an interesting discussion that we've been having earlier on, uh, but you're allowed to go in online on www.cliffcentral.com and go to podcasts that you actually download. For you to join in on the discussion, you can actually still call our studio line. It's 0861 We're on Twitter as well. Our Twitter handle is at Cliff Central. We're on Facebook as well. It's at Cliff Central. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Double Homer 40. Uh, are you on Twitter, Mr. Franz Pinar? Yes, I am. What's your Twitter handle? It's at Franz Pinar. At Franz Pinar. Okay. Facebook? Yes, um, the same. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Ma'am? Yes, it's uh, at Rofwara uh, Bali on Twitter. Okay. Facebook? At uh, Rofwara Bali. Oh, okay. My brother, Tandy? Uh, yeah, the the handle um, that we're actually using for the research is hashtag open the economy. Okay, um, I like that hashtag yeah, open the economy. Open the okay, economy. Um, and you can also find us at cred um, at cred underscore uj. Okay, and yours? Uh, I'm gonna work with the cred one for now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. No, I like that, um, Mr. Pina. I mean, um, Tano has made mention of. A um, couple of interesting things before we actually went on ad break. Um, one of the things that he made mention of its barriers uh, to entry um, in terms of, I mean, obviously um, accessing the market, but obviously he spoke about different um, sectors that has nothing to do with construction. Um, obviously, you are in the construction pace, um, space that is, and I mean, of which we all know that access, I mean, to smart corridors in the city are some, I mean, of the key drivers for further infrastructure growth. I mean, unlike other intra- industries that he made mention of, uh, I mean, the engineering and construction sector, I mean, has been slow uh, into adapting new technologies and has certainly never undergone a major transformation through years. I mean, with that, as a result, productivity, I mean, has stagnated for over the last 40 years or in some cases even declined. I mean, the need for broad-based and efficient economic infrastructure is not, is not lessened, but has increased towards the importance of sustainability, I mean, in regards to the future in the industry. Would you have said earlier on, I mean, that you're trying to get onto the South African space, uh, on, onto the Afri- other African market? Has you, would you say, has it been a difficult journey for you to, to actually tap into the space? It's been immensely difficult. You know, and I must agree uh, with my friend here that um, the barriers... So you must underline, it's not just difficult, it's immensely difficult. So it means it must have been tough. No, and the barriers, you know, these barriers seem insurmountable. The examples he's mentioned is in a different industry to construction, but Mm -hmm. I can identify with each one of them. Is it? You know, and uh, a government sits with this massive problem. Mm -hmm. They've got to try and fix something and, you know, the system fights them. The, uh, the regulations, the, the legislation, everything sort of works against what governments want, uh, government wants to achieve. Mm-hmm. And we see this in all our markets, you know, that um, uh, barriers uh, exist in all industries, mm-hmm. and it's immensely difficult for small players to get into it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I'm so proud of her uh, with creating a platform um, through just sheer effort and guts mm-hmm. to say, well, we're going to do something. Um, but the barriers that you have, um, the, the example that was mentioned of the competition commission that tried to take on organized business and they lost because, you know, it's the law. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that unless organized business transform their own minds and decides to make a difference um, and decides to come to the table and do something about this, mm-hmm. um, it, it, 
it will be extremely difficult for government to actually achieve something. Mm. Can you highlight maybe some of the challenges, in particular in your industry? Oh, in the construction industry, you know, it's financial muscle is the first thing. Definitely. Uh, you know, uh, people will talk about our organization and say we're big, we're minute in the industry. Uh, in Yatsi in, in might seem big to, to some um, uh, entrance in the marketplace, but, you know, we're about a, one in a uh, 1.5 billion rand a year operation. Um, the African construction market is uh, uh, estimated to be $140 billion a year. So, you know, we like a, f- a speck of dust compared to that. Yeah, so mean, there's a massive market. Mm-hmm. But the big business uh, has the ability to to demonstrate the ability to, to do the big projects. They have the financial muscle to provide the guarantees and the insurances and the financial instruments. And they get them cheaper than us. Mm. I mean, what you're saying, it's something that, um, I'm in uh, the construction and property uh, space myself, by the way. It's been six years now. And I mean, one thing that you made mention of, it's something that obviously I've been exposed to. It's like some industries, for you to actually have a taste on, you need to really have deep pockets, uh, deep pockets to actually be in a position, I mean, to to tackle <laughs> um, certain challenges and overcome. I mean, that. I mean, looking at, 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 at Inyaz, I mean, you guys have got establishment in Swaziland, South Africa, Mozambique, Namibia, Zambia, and Botswana. I mean, you should have been complaining. I mean, you've, <laughs> you, 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 you've spread yourself, I mean, pretty much. I mean, some of the companies you've made mention of in terms of organized business, yes, they might be big um, locally, but they've not really spread themselves. Um, that much. Do you think spreading yourself um, has an opportunity on its own that it opens up? That's really helped us a lot. The fact that we the, that we try to penetrate other markets at the same time. Okay. Uh, and the rest of Africa might be slightly more accommodating. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the market is so big, the opportunities are out there. So um, uh, we were just fortunate and blessed to to be quite successful in our expansion program. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, we're not complaining uh, in the sense that we haven't been uh, able to achieve some things. What we're saying is that we can can clearly see the barriers that small business face every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And you'll know trying to to enter um, the property or the development market uh, before a bank will lend you money, they set requirements that you can't comply with. It's you true. Don't, just don't have the muscle. Or if they give you something, they price in the risk because it is risk. So you pay more for that same service. But the other side mm. of that coin is when a public tender comes out, you know, everybody wants us to be the cheapest. Mm. How can I be <laughs> the cheapest if my service providers charge me a lot more than they charge you? Yeah. Uh, and I've got to compete on a level playing field. Sure. Um, so... Uh, big business has to buy into this, but also I believe that client bodies uh, have to uh, demonstrate political courage mm. to, to take a stand and um, make a difference in in changing the historic environment. You know, uh, the, the the current contracting environment in which we operate, um, I sometimes say it comes from uh, medieval times, mm-hmm. but it is, it's really old standard conditions of contract, uh, stuff that comes from the uh, 1970s and earlier. Uh, which uh, comes from a third world uh, base baseline, mm-hmm. um, and it's based on stuff that works, you know. And we know in Africa everything doesn't work all the time. The power goes off, or the internet is might maybe a bit slower, or uh, materials doesn't arrive on time, or stuff happens. We know that mm. first world conditions of contract doesn't really apply here, yeah, and no, that creates true. another barrier. Um, you know, take a simple thing like payments. We know. In our markets, you know, if our internet goes off, our clients also goes off. Mm. So then the client m- might struggle to pay us on time, and it, it creates challenges for us. Where 
the bigger guys with the bigger muscle can can breach some of these things, but it excludes a lot of smaller guys to penetrate the markets. I mean, uh, Tando sp- spoke earlier about uh, black industrialists. Um, and obviously, being in South Africa, you'd know that um, there's as well the triple B codes that have as well recently been amended. Uh, but looking at your website, you've got one black person who's into finance. Um, I mean, would you say, are you pl- tapping into the space of black industrialists? We as an organization, um, you know, uh, you obviously have only looked at one of our subsidiaries. We have sort of in the vicinity of three and a half thousand employees. Okay. Um, I don't ex- know the exact number. Maybe somebody from the office can phone in and give us the exact number, but I'm mm. pretty sure we've got less than a hundred white employees. Because uh, I was actually looking at the group itself. Um, I mean, being the management, uh, according to the organic structure. Yes, that's the group holding company, okay. uh, the board of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, and it's the, uh, the executive committee, I think, that you're looking at. If you look at our board, um, we, you know, but, but we as a, as a company that operates across markets, mm-hmm. we often have to answer this question. How many expatriates do you have working for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and then in a country like Zambia, we might have 10 expatriates of which five are Swazis and two are Mozambiques and one's a South <laughs> yeah, African. That's true. Yeah. So um, it's quite varied with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we're fortunate in the sense that we as an organization started in Swaziland in 1982 as mm-hmm. a Swazi company. Who's the founder of the company? Um, originally, a uh, guy called Carl Person. Uh, oh, okay. He sold out decades ago. Oh, uh, nice. I yeah. haven't even met him. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> okay. Uh, the you know and then the company used to belong to a Danish conglomerate who, that sold to um, a group of local shareholders um, in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. But um, we we're fortunate in the sense that we grew up in Swaziland as an organisation, so a lot of um, issues that are dealt with in, in other markets uh, is legislated in Swaziland for a start. Okay, um, but it's it's something that. You know, it, it's not really an issue to us. Mm. Um, our local entity in Swazi- in South Africa, for example, um, as under the previous code, the I get the names wrong, the BBBEE yeah. code, uh, <laughs> we were a level two contributor. Okay. So the new code has changed that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I checked this morning in, in uh, South Africa, for example, forty six of our forty six percent of our employees are female. Hmm. So um, I was surprised to see such a high number. Group-wide, we're at, at about 14% uh, okay. with females, whereas uh, the clever people tell me one should um, <laughs> should be aiming at at least 20%. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but in the construction industry, um, it's not a traditional uh, market where you get people to, to, uh, to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but interestingly, in our organization, uh, group-wide, we've... Uh, We've tried over the, especially the last decade, mm. to f- to foster a culture of learning, yeah. and that you can be anything if you w- if you do, you know enable yourself, uh, you can be anything. And with our growth, that's created massive opportunities. Okay. So so now I mean, uh, looking at the countries that you, that you, that you've been in, um, let's compare them. I mean, for you, uh, obviously, I know uh, Switzerland would be the first because you originate from there. Uh, but now would I mean let's say give me the top three or the top four in terms of doing business from the countries that um you you guys are currently operating in are you referring to how difficult or how easy or um, how profitable or not okay <laughs> maybe let, let's start with the difficult one and let's come with the easy one <laughs> and the profitable one will be the yeah, last I, one yeah. I must say a country like Mozambique um, is uh Difficult for us in the sense because it is a Portuguese-speaking country, so okay. that holds challenges. So I would perhaps rate that as as one of our more difficult markets. Okay, uh, we've been in Uganda. We did projects there, and it, that was not easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also done projects in Tanzania. That was also difficult. Okay, so uh, 
Mozambique, Tanzania, Uganda, the, tough, the difficult uh, ones. Okay. Zambia uh, was surprisingly easier than we anticipated. I love Zambia. I um, love Zambia. F- friendly yeah. people. Um, yes. Uh, the advantage in in uh, Zambia obviously um, is language. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, mainly an English-speaking country because uh, I always get this wrong, but there are like thirty different dialects being spoken <laughs> in the country. So true. everybody speaks English because at least you can communicate. I think that that helps a little bit. Mm. But it's a big place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, the infrastructures, um, uh, 10 years ago when we went there, infrastructure wasn't great. It has improved a lot. Uh, Botswana, uh, I think, might be in some sense one of the easier markets. Namibia also, um, some of the easier markets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in South Africa, it can either be easy or difficult. It depends which portion of the market you refer to. It's it's a massive market. But I'd love to hear your opinion. Though, as how has it been? Has it been easier? Has it been hard? And I mean, which which market you playing in? Uh, I, I, I would think that um, uh, in South Africa, it's probably one of the easier markets in the sense because the stuff's here. Mm-hmm. It's easier to do business because you can buy stuff here. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, on average, the clients um, are more um, sort of emancipated, more developed, mm-hmm. uh, but more sophisticated. Their systems work a little bit better. They might pay a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and their own administration might be a bit better. Mm-hmm. So um, it doesn't say it's easy. Okay. Um, the, the problem of barriers, um, you know, is a massive problem. Yeah, that's and, true. And that's across all our markets. Mm-hmm. Um, one just finds that, that, you know, if you go into rural Tanzania, for example, um, if they want to build a road there, the small guy just looks over the fence. He doesn't get the opportunity. Mm. Yeah, There's no chance for him to enter that market. And, and they've sort of made peace with the fact that that's a barrier that they'll never cross. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's not good for the economy in the long run. That's true. So if you have a developing economy and an economy that, that wants to take the next step, like the South African economy, mm-hmm. then you, you can't have the defeatist attitude to say, oh, but, you know, we'll never be able to do that. Mm. There we have to man up and say, well, we will. Hmm. And, and we need political courage from the client bodies. Yeah, to stand true. up and say, okay, so what must we do? Mm. And then they must do something courageous. You know, and it's... It won't be easy. Yeah. So now here, are you? Are you? Are you in South Africa? Are you more doing public tenders, or are you more into private sector? Um, the bulk of our work in South, uh, South Africa has been for the public sector. Um, okay. You know, uh, uh, roads, uh, some uh, shopping centre, uh, uh, hospital refurbishments. Like uh, which ones? So uh, uh, the Hemingway's Mall in East London. Okay. We built that uh, mm. some years ago. We did. Uh, we were fortunate to to do the renovations on the Nelson Memorial. Nelson Mandela Memorial Museum in, in Umtata. Oh, okay. Uh, we did that. That was very prestigious for us. Mm-hmm. Um, in Lataba, we refurbished the hospital and did some work there. We're currently biz, uh, busy with a uh, road contract in, in Limpopo. Oh, that's nice. And on the N4 uh, the bypass of Nelspreit, uh, we built a piece of that. You know, oh. um, something that we're very proud of. Mm. Um, in uh, Seibrand van Niekerk, Water purification works in Western Area. We did a uh, fire station in Alberton. Mm-hmm. You know, so lots of things in the, um, all around in uh, across the whole market. Okay. So now, I mean, uh, part of that, I mean, right now, I know uh, particularly in, in, in South Africa, I don't know in other countries, um, it's mainly encouraged that you, you, you develop, um, I mean, small business. I mean, you spoke about... A, a, a small man that look that's looking over the fence that has no chance. But I mean, how many small businesses are you giving a chance uh, in terms of the company? Um, you know, not only in South Africa but across 
um, the different countries that you said. So, so. Uh, our whole business model um, has evolved uh, to, um, you know, picking up the little guys around us, making them bigger, mm-hmm. and the, and taking them with us on the journey. You know, if um, in 2004 we did 100 million rand turnover as an organization. Okay. We had 336 employees. Um, and we had one. We sold one product in one country to one client. Hmm. We built roads for the Swaziland government in okay. Swaziland, Lelangeni. Um, we've grown from that to this year. We hope to be in ex- in excess of 1.8 billion rand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as I've said, you know, three and a half thousand employees, um, and we're in many markets. Mm-hmm. That growth has only been possible yeah. because of partnerships, relationships, and, and, and entities that we've brought with us. Mm. Uh, we've created in some of our markets, we've created our biggest opposition. You know, <laughs> an, employee, an employee that worked for us um, in, in 2003, mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, in 2004, no, in 2003, um, he wanted to start his own business. Okay. We sold him one of our second-hand machines. Uh, he resigned, started his own business, and we hired the machine back from him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you have to do something. Mm-hmm. You have to act with courage. Otherwise, you're not going to make uh, get development. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, within six months, we sold him an, uh, another machine, and he bought two other machines. We gave him a letter that he could take to the bank, and he bought more equipment. Mm-hmm. And today, he's a substantial business in Swaziland. You know, mm. Roots Construction is, is one of our biggest opposition companies. Yeah, There's like another company, a uh, guy was our commercial manager, mm. um, a really uh, a good quantity surveyor. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, he'd be one of the faces on our board that would be, you know, of the complexion that you'd prefer perhaps. <laughs> but he also wanted to start his own thing. And rather than pick a fight with him, we bought his first premix plant. Oh, Michael. We gave it to him. Yeah. I rented him it back from him, mm-hmm. gave him a subcontract on one of our projects, and today is our biggest opposition. Wow. Kukanya Civils in, in Swaziland is our biggest opposition. Mm. Okay, give me a story in South Africa. Uh, Obviously, I'm about to be modest because I'm South African, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so we've only been in South, in South Africa for a short period of time. How long? Uh, um, we entered the market in 2009 by buying a, an existing company, mm-hmm. um, trying to change their attitude to to reflect um, our DNA, our way of doing business. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an inclusive, team-oriented uh, approach. We went successful um, and then sold them in 2012. So, <laughs> <laughs> And that, that went with a, um, a restraint of trade. So we okay. weren't in the market for, for, for some time, and mm-hmm. we only returned to the market um, in 2014, mm. late 2014. So, um, you know, Visit one of our sites and you will see several um, smaller subcontractors that work with us. Mm. Um, and we grow them. And, and once we have a subcontractor that can provide some service, definitely goes to the next project with us. Uh, or if we start another project, we ask, you know, can, do you have capacity to go and work elsewhere? Mm. So um, there are several examples of that. Mm. Um, our growth, luckily, has given us the opportunity to do that. But without the assistance of... Um, subcontractors that walk the road with us, mm-hmm. uh, we wouldn't have been able to do that. No, maybe, maybe I need to be their success story in South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that, uh, I mean, when you've been asked the question, you're able to answer that. I mean, Tando, um, um, Mr. Pina has made mention of a um, couple of interesting things. Um, now, you sp- when you spoke about black industrialists, um, I've not had, I've had people speak about manufacturers, you know, producers and all of that. In the construction space, are we black industrialists? Where, 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 where do we stand? 
sure. I'm sure you want to know that friend uh, too, friends, eh? Yes. Yes. Sure. Um, look, I, I I suspect there's no limit in terms of the sector in which we can have our black industrialists, right? Oh, okay. Um, but I imagine there are some priority sectors where you have real opportunities for. Uh, entrants that are also quite inclusive in terms of, of job creation, etc. And so the focus tends to be on um, agro-processing sectors, you know, farmers mm. that go into produ- production and then packaging and then selling on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a range of issues there as well. I mean, uh, what we're kind of saying is that, and I think uh, Francis mentioned this issue of BE and, and kind of that form of inclusion, is that what we're saying is that there's a bit more to the picture, right? Uh, so BE shares have been an important step in the country in terms of, 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 of affirmative action. But there's a little bit more to it. Uh, and that comes from the fact that uh, that creates a dependency to some extent, right? So what that means is that you get to share or be part of the ownership of existing enterprises. Uh, rather than what we are proposing, or at least what we're saying, is that we need to add a layer of new enterprises, South African enterprises, black enterprises. Mm-hmm. And they can be in construction and they can be U-Double. Um, uh, they can start to compete in the sector as well. And I think the story is a classic case of an underdog in a construction sector, which we all know uh, has got some giants in it. Um, and so it's quite interesting to hear uh, how, they, how they try to overcome their challenges. So there's certainly no lim- limitations, mm-hmm. uh, but it's particularly hard in some sectors. You know in construction that there was a cartel that operated mm-hmm. uh, for a number of years where tenders were, or bids were being rigged for some of the very large government projects, including the 2010 World Cup Stadium. Mm. And what you know about cartels, or what the theory tells you, is that uh, they also try to keep out entry. That's how they survive. Mm. Okay. So it means it's incre- increasingly impossible for someone else to come in mm. uh, to get a share of some of those deals or some of those jobs. And so those are the kind of challenges there. So I think the policy framework rightly cuts across sectors. Um, and even our research then, although focuses on certain sectors, mm-hmm. um, as mentioned, um, also has implications for others, including things like construction, uh, where we, we are seeing some upstarts coming in, but finding it difficult to really get the big meaty jobs. Mm. Um, and it takes them years to get, to get settled, which is very difficult. Uh, and so you have funding constraints, for instance, because the funder won't fund you for a risky project where uh, you know, some of your intended clients haven't even committed yet, right? which is what we propose. We say, well, then why not make the funds available from the fines, from cartels, okay. uh, to support businesses at uh, low interest, long-term uh, risk-bearing, where um, you're prepared to take the risk on some of the small firms uh, and give them a chance to grow, to test different approaches, to try different business models, and to hopefully over time then, through learning by doing, develop their capabilities, yeah. which isn't often um, granted to small firms. Yeah. But this is, a, a, I mean, that's an excellent idea, and mm-hmm. I agree 100%, but what we also need is we need uh, big business to buy into this mm-hmm. and to contribute. Mm-hmm. You know, government can't take that business risk on its own mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. government can't teach Somebody out to be a contractor or a construction company, mm. yeah. but a construction company can, mm. and government must somehow use their political power and political will to to enforce that. Similarly, in the agri uh, agri business, mm. you know, if somebody is vertically integrated, a massive organisation in, uh, and he has everything from feedlots to uh, f- feed supply companies and the whole range, they can teach the upstart. Government must incentivize them. Yep. To teach the upstarts mm. And that's where business needs to transform their minds mm. Buy into the idea Because it'll be good for us Yeah. No, I, th- I, think, I think gentlemen This, this conversation shouldn't, shouldn't end here uh, Maybe SSUJ you need, you need to open up your platform um, You know uh, I'll come uh, I'll invite Mr. Pina 
and let's have conversations around around um i mean this industry because it's something that i think it really needs to be discussed and talked about i'll bring government if i need to bring government i'll bring media definitely you know and and more than anything i think i want to have you as well for my tv show and let's let's have these discussions and definitely expand uh, but more than anything i think let me take this opportunity to thank you um for coming to the show today um it's always that when you're having a good time time would actually um run out maybe is there something that um you want to say in closing um just you know i'm encouraged by this lady's efforts okay. from nowhere she's decided i want to do something and it'll be hard work and it'll be tough i'll make a difference and that's how we we'll, the only way are we all are going to make it mm. Mm. Okay. do the miles is it my brother sure. um i mean our simple point would be that uh the evidence is there where you have entry, where you have, you know, new people participating in the economy rather than your kind of established giants. Uh, you see benefits to comp- consumers. Uh, if you think about low cost carriers that have come in and made it really cheap to fly to different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about Capitech and how that's increased access to financial services. Mm-hmm. Point is, we can make the difference. And it's about setting up our policy, not more regulation, but better regulation to arrive at those outcomes. And I think we can get there. And like as Franz says, it's kind of a concerted effort, both from government, but also the incumbent players that's required. Nice, ma'am. Uh, from my side, I would say that we need to take it in our own hands and make sure that we impact, we impart knowledge, and we empower our communities. Mm. That's yeah. it from me. I like that. Um, Mr. Bala. Get things done. Get things done. What am I saying? I mean, a little more persistence, a little more effort, and what seems hopeless, failures may tend to glorious success. When you fail, I always say a measure of a man is not how many times you fall, but whenever you fall, how many times you get up and actually dust yourself. I mean, right now, I'm sure Mr. Franz can could actually give us examples of how many times they've failed or some of the challenges that they've had. Same goes for our guests. But they, they didn't let that define that or define themselves. But in fact, they decided to define the situation. So sitting down and feeling sorry for yourself, it's not going to help. So get up. And like my brother has said, Get things done. That is all we had for you today. Right here on 360Biz, cliffcentral.com. Catch us again next time for another exciting installment of 360Biz. My name is Deborah Homer 40. I'm out. This is cliffcentral.com.